Alex, we can start with you. So, like, what's kind of your pitch on Edwards becoming uh, like a superstar in this league? Because I don't think everyone's completely on board with it. Um, I don't know. I don't know what it is. It's just like I don't think people. I think pe- the hype is kind of picking up this off season. But just like what? Yeah. What, what's your kind of your pitch for him becoming a, a superstar? Um, really it's just, uh, the combination of the skills that he has on the offensive end, obviously the defensive potential is, is one thing. And we can talk about that if you all want, but, um, really with the, with the offense, the stuff that he possesses that he's able to do, you know, he has a really, really deadly step back and sidestep where he generates a ridiculous amount of space. I don't know the numbers because I don't have access to those numbers on, on you know, step backs and sidesteps, what percentage he's actually hitting those at. But just from the film that I've watched, he, he does a pretty good job of knocking them down. And at the very least, he's generating an absurd amount of space on those shots. And it's one of those situations where I'm like, just because the shot doesn't fall, I still love the process and I'm a big process guy. It's like, okay, even though you don't get the result that you wanted, the process was still very, very, very good. Um, so with that shot creation ability uh, on the perimeter, uh, paired with his ability to get to the rim, granted there are areas he needs to improve on, uh, as it pertains to interior finishing, um, you know, being able to draw contact at a consistent rate, um, being able to, really leverage that scoring ability into playmaking opportunities and, and capitalizing on, on defensive pressure and, and, and causing defenses to collapse so he can find open opportunities on the perimeter. Um, definitely some areas that he needs to work on, but the base that he's established right now is really what sells me. It's not what he's doing right now, because I think we get caught up a lot in like, oh, well, last year he only averaged, what was it, 21 points per game? And, you know, it was like five rebounds and, you know, three assists or something like that. And like, oh, that's that's not superstar numbers. And it's like, well, you know, they're not superstar numbers yet, but he's 20, he, he's, he was 21 years old last year. He's going to be 22 this year. And the stuff that he's already shown, people, I mean, dozens of teams would would kill to have Anthony Edwards on their team right now not necessarily because of what he was capable of last year. Granted, he had an awesome season last year. Don't get me wrong. This is not me trying to sell his uh, second season short or anything like that. But the fact that that was his second season, and that's kind of the baseline, and he only has up to go from here, to me, that's the sign of a superstar. And I, I know this isn't necessarily a hard basketball thing, but his confidence, his charisma, I mean, go down, go down the list of every player in NBA history who's had that level of charisma and confidence in their own ability and point to one with that confidence that didn't end up being a superstar. There are very, very, very few. And that's really the icing on the cake to me. The fact that he has all of this, all of these hard skills, but his soft skills his his confidence, his charisma, his leadership, that really solidifies it to me. It's like I was sold before, but you throw that into the equation and I'm I'm even more confident. Yeah, that charisma part, when you kind of threw that in at the I think it was like towards the end of 
um, your video you did on him. That was like, you know, because you usually don't see that type of stuff in a very like film breakdown heavy basketball video. Uh, and that's something I've definitely picked up on just with all the sound bites you get. Um, and then I, I'm, I'm a I'm a journalism major in college. So, you know, like I'll I'll watch a lot of these these interviews and stuff. And then I'm just like I'm thinking about in terms of being like a, a reporter, like what I'm getting. I'm like these are like awesome quotes. Like I, if I'm a reporter, I would love to get like some oh, of the yeah. sound bites he gives. Like it, it's it's so awesome. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that part was definitely interesting that that you picked up on it um in terms of him like on the court um i think yeah i i like we said about like his his base is definitely there just with his just like a just raw ability to just create a shot out of nothing like anytime he wants um and there's definitely room to grow in terms of you know trying to figure out like when to take that step back three or when to you know try to force the issue um and get to the basket like there's there's some mm-hmm. issue there's some stuff he needs to grow on it um in that standpoint um but like the the rest of his game like the passing and all that there's also been like really good indicators that he's going to improve in that area too um. one thing it does really well that i think we could also get into is uh just his frame his frame really helps him where he is right now uh, just 20 he's already like super strong um he came into the league with an nba ready body uh, and he's put that to good use just with uh, his ability to carve finishing angles, uh, driving angles, muscling defenders out of the way. Uh, and that's really, you know, paved the way for him defensively as well. Uh, just, you know, his switchability, uh, ability to go to multiple positions. Uh, and that's something that Minnesota will explore again. With Beverly out, there will be more, uh, more of a responsibility tasked him to guard perimeter players. And, you know, we'll continue to see that. Um, so just like going into defense, what do you guys think of where he is right now and what he can be down the line? You know, it's one of those things where, and I mentioned this in the video, um, not to just repeat everything that I said in the video, but, uh, he, people throw around the phrase, uh, he has all the tools in the world to be an elite defender. And for so many guys, I hear that and I kind of roll my eyes and I'm like, yeah, he has the tools to be a good defender, but is he actually going to be a good defender? It's like, okay, we'll, we'll see maybe. Uh, but with Anthony Edwards, I think it's definitely true. I think the motor is the thing that, that stood out to me a lot towards the end of the year specifically. Um, he just really seemed to buy in on the defensive end, which is I think the hardest part for a lot of people. Um, you know, getting to the point where you're committed on the defensive end on every single possession and um, you're giving maximum effort. Uh, that's what really impressed me. Um, obviously, his wingspan being as as impressive as it is, is uh, super beneficial for, like I said earlier, the concept of taking away as much space as possible. Um, and then him having, you know, a little bit of switchability, honestly, uh, not just being forced to guard guards, but he can probably start dabbling a little more in guarding wings as well. Um, he's not going to be guarding centers anytime soon. Um, but there's, there's a good chance that he at the very least becomes a high level defender. Uh, but to me, his ceiling on the defensive end falls more towards that, like all NBA level defender, um, that doesn't seem unrealistic. He's just really the issues I see now are symptoms of a guy who just doesn't have a ton of experience just yet defending at an NBA level. Um, Things like screen navigation, um, 
kind of knowing when to drop and when to when to come up and and play hard you know hard nosed defense um it's really just a, a feel thing he's got to get a little bit better of a feel for the defensive end and i think that's just something that comes with experience it's not something that's going to happen overnight uh, for some guys they come into the league and they're great defenders from day one um just because they have really high defensive feel uh their understanding of of guarding certain actions how to defend in the pick and roll um how to fight over screens and things like that you know some guys are just inherently better at that than other guys and anthony edwards he's gonna have to grow into it a little bit he's gonna have to put in effort to get better on that part of of the game but given his work ethic and everything we've seen from him so far it's it certainly doesn't feel unrealistic to think that he's going to get to that point eventually. Yeah. For me, the kind of the way I think about how he's going to project defensively is just his athleticism is just so off the charts. He has such a large margin of error in terms of, you know, maybe he's a step late, like getting out to some guy in the perimeter, but he's just so athletic that, you know, he can recover and like, it's like nothing happens. I, I posted these two clips yesterday um, on Twitter. So one of them was he was guarding Doncic and one of the, I think it was like towards the later part of the year. Um, but they, so the Mavericks were inbounding on the sideline. They, they inbound the ball, but Edwards, like, you know, they were still, I guess, talking as a team kind of like in the middle of the middle of the floor. So he didn't get out to Luca on time. Right. And it's Luca Doncic, you know, like he's going to take any advantage you give him, but he was able to get out, close out, and then slide with Doncic, avoid a, like a ghost screen from like Dorian Finney-Smith and just stay in front and force Luke into it like a bad shot despite coming out like probably like two or three steps late on one of the best offensive players in the league. So it's just like that type of athleticism to me is why like I, I feel like it's a, it's a really good bet to make that he's going to be a pretty high level defender and especially if his motor starts coming along because like yeah I, I agree Alex like um Towards the end of the year when his motor kicked up a bit compared especially compared to the first part of the season where just constant air and like mental lapse after mental lapse um when towards the end of the season where he improved in that area um his motor uh things things look so much better for him and in the playoffs you know he took a took a bigger role in that end with guarding john moran at times um because he's just you know he's just so athletic he could keep up with Morant while also giving him trouble with his strength Gobert's leadership is also going to play a role in this. Uh, don't want to go fall down that trap again, but uh, you know, going from D'Angelo Russell as your, uh, as your defensive quarterback to Rudy Gobert is a pretty significant uh, upgrade. And, you know, Rudy is a pretty vocal guy. and Just what he brings on the defensive end is contagious. He's a walking top five defense. Um, so it, there's definitely a, a motivational factor that Ant will have that he hasn't had in prior years and maybe going back before the NBA. Um, so I'm, I'm definitely expecting big things from Ann on the defensive end, and I'm sure he'll de deliver. Sorry, quick quick mm -hmm. point I want to make about, um, I guess, the go the go bear part of things, but, you know, uh, it was it was something I realized. So there's this podcast called the the Slapping Glass Podcast. It's, a, it's this podcast ran by, like, these two, like, high-level coaches. Like, I think one of them coached professionally, and they have on, like, you know, NBA-level – uh, coaches like they've they've had like Steve Clifford they just had like the top they had the top Lakers assistant coming into this year and he was talking about just like defensive communication and, he, and they asked him a question oh yeah like when you guys are communicating the defensive end 
like in let's say like a screen and roll situation like who's making kind of the call on the on the the coverage and the answer was like the center um and Gobert is going to come in and bring kind of like he's going to be a more solid communicator on that and obviously that's not something we're going to see um just because you know we're watching the game for a broadcast we're not courtside we don't hear what's going on but you can kind of tell like Cat was always super late with that type of stuff like telling the defender what to do like there was so many times in the playoffs like you would watch and they're trying to like scram switch or he's trying to scram switch himself out of the pick and roll um, and like get him like get him out so it's like maybe like a, a Jared Vanderbilt so they can like switch it or something but he would be late on that and then now like the Grizzlies had this like huge advantage because Cat was just a step late on communicating so things like that it's just going to make the thing it's going to make it easier for the point of attack defenders which are gonna, is going to be like Anthony Edwards it's going to make it so much easier for him he's going to look way better especially with Rudy Gobert in the fold so yeah, that was a little small detail I wanted to add. Um, Alex, you had anything? No, that's uh, <clears throat> I, one other thing that I uh, I don't think I mentioned was, um, and I think you guys touched on it a little bit, was just the fact that Rudy Gobert's leadership is going to help a lot. I think another thing at play is Anthony Edwards' coachability. Um which is kind of one of those more intangible things where it's like, you you can't really see it on the court per se. Um, It's not going to show up in the box score, but it's one of those things where like, you can tell he is a sponge. He just absorbs everything that he hears and he takes it and, and uh, compartmentalizes it and digests it and puts it into practice on the court. And I think specifically as it pertains to defense, um, I think he's going to be able to become a more disciplined and responsible defender just because he is coachable and he's willing to listen and learn and get better. And he clearly cares about it because he said in plenty of interviews, he's like, I want to become a better defender. He's like, that's a priority of mine. So uh, that's where I really see the coachability at play. Let's slide back a bit to his offensive game because uh, I think there was a little bit left we could talk about um, there. So let, let's maybe let's dive into a little bit about like what kind of makes him such like an elite shot creator because that's kind of the foundation for his entire game, just him able to like get to the rim at super high levels. The finishing isn't always there, but he's still getting to the rim. He has the step back three, um, all of that. Um, so like Alex, what do you what do you kind of view his offensive ceiling at like? like the best like offensive player on a championship team level? Like, do you see like that? Is that a feasible outcome for him? You think? Yeah, honestly, like some people may, may view that as a, as a hot take, but um, I, I really do think it's entirely possible that he can be the number one option on a championship level team. Uh, we look at what traits you have to have to be a number one option on a championship team. It's all about self-creation really. I mean, there are, complimentary aspects that go into that like with Steph Curry obviously he's an an amazing shot creator both on and off the ball but uh, he also offers a ton of playmaking Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo obviously great on ball score Um, even though he's creating his shots differently than Anthony Edwards creates his shots um, it's still shot creation at the end of the day and uh, Anthony Edwards to me he possesses the necessary tools to become that number one option type of player Um, with his handle, which has really, really blown me away when I was watching film for that video. um, Just how, how tight it's gotten. Um, He has, you know, a quote unquote bag now where his first season in the NBA, he, he showed that he 
had ball handling ability, but I don't think he was comfortable with it yet. And now as his career has gone on uh, during this last season, uh, I really think, and maybe this is crazy to say, but uh, we talk about his injury that he dealt with um, throughout the season uh, with his, with his knees. You know, I think while that did hinder him in terms of finishing, I think it probably benefit, it's going to benefit him in the long run simply because that forced him to score in other ways. He wasn't able to just rely on sheer athleticism and being bigger than everybody else to get to the rim and finish. He had to rely more on finesse, more on skill, um, and just be a bit more patient in how he goes about scoring the ball. And I don't think that there's evidence right now that says he can't be a number one option on a championship team. Because to me, with a guy like Anthony Edwards, you know, a top pick, a guy who is as skilled as he is, a guy who has shown as much as he has, with guys like that, normally I'm looking for evidence that's like, okay, yeah, he's probably not going to be a number one option on a championship team. And that's okay, but uh, it's just some guys aren't going to be capable of that. But with Anthony Edwards, there's I haven't seen enough yet from him that makes me think, okay, you know, maybe he won't be a championship first option, but he could be like a second option. No, to me, everything that we've seen so far is indicative of him eventually becoming a first option caliber scorer. Yeah, I definitely agree with the scoring um, for all the things that you mentioned. Uh, it's just what, what, when you're talking about a player that's able to champion, uh, you know, a contending, uh, an offense or a one man offense on a, on a title team, really be that forefront, you need to be able to create for others as well. And absolutely that's, that's exactly, uh, you know, where Ant is, is developing. Like that's, that's his work in progress sort of deal. And, you know, right, right now he's, he's good at, he, he has an understanding for, uh, you know, when defenses load up on him. Like, uh, you know, teams have started to bring t- traps on them and, uh, you know, hard hedges. I remember that 49-point game in San Antonio even early on, uh, you know, teams would, you know, shade him subtly, and he's good at making or recognizing that and kicking it to the wing. Um, you know, he has an understanding of, of in that sense. Uh, but right now, when he when he gets to the basket, right, when he's driving, he, he seems kind of, um, you know, single-minded in his approach, uh, I, he just, at, at times he seems to get stuck and force finishes, uh, instead of making the right read. Um, so that's an area of continued growth where he needs to find that balance, uh, not only within his scoring, but also, you know, when did, or when to pass the ball and, uh, recognizing opportunities, how defensive load up on him when he's already made the decision, uh, you know, to, to take that score, you know, being able to flip his mindset. Uh, so just developing on his playmaking is is really what's going to determine if he becomes that guy or not uh but again going back to intangibles i think that's really uh where that comes to play uh you know just his work ethic and his drive as we mentioned is i'm willing it makes me willing to bet on you know him eventually being uh that number one guy yeah with his playmaking um oh well first of all i think that just a, when a guy like that gets as much gravity and attention that that Ant does, like over the course of his career, like eventually at some point he's gonna figure out the passing with just 
how many times he's going to see the same type of de- defense putting two on the ball on him like over and over again. Like eventually he's going to figure it out. You saw that with Jason Tatum this year. Um, he started to figure out kind of the passing out of the doubles, passing out of the high hedges, kind of trusting his teammates a little more. And that was that was kind of the leap for him that he made. So Ant is definitely more than capable of making that leap, I think. The the shift in mindset, I think for me, with a, this not only for Ant, a lot of young players, it's just they have to go from looking for their shot first to kind of simultaneously like trying to get their own shot and trying to score, but also reading defense at the same time. Because sometimes it's he goes, attacks, jump stops, he's stuck. Now he's looking to pass defense. They're, they're scrambling out. They're flying back home to the guys in the perimeter for the kickout. And then, you know, the advantage isn't really as apparent anymore. So if you can, like, make that pass instead, like, on the move, like, that slight margin is going to make his teammates so much better. He's going to be – his assist numbers are going to jump up because guys can get more catch-and-shoot looks. Um, so that just, like, slight little marginal thing, I think, is just if you can figure that out at some point over the next, you know – two two seasons um i think that's where his playmaking is really going to start start to kick in because he has the hard part done the hard part for a lot of guys is creating the advantage and you see that with like d'angelo russell he can't blow by anyone even like a center off a switch all mm-hmm. the time anymore but if ant has that part down it's just a matter of also looking at the back line of the defense and making that pass earlier rather than he gets stopped boom now i'm making the pass so that's kind of the difference and that's where transition or the Wolves transitioning to win win now mode is so important. Uh, a lot of the time, where, where guys are on bad teams, they tend to develop bad habits. Uh, they really don't look to make you know find their teammates, make those winning plays because they have no incentive to. The team is winning, uh, but the fact that you know with Ant just turning twenty one, the Wolves are ready to take that next step forward uh, into contending these next few years is uh, it's also something that brings optimism towards you know Ant figuring it out eventually. Uh, with winning in mind. Yeah, so we can move on from his playmaking. We talk a bit about his mid-range game. Alex, you talked a bit about this in your video about this is kind of the area he needed to improve on. So what kind of what did you see from the mid-range good and bad for for Ant? Yeah, so one of the big things I talked about, uh, both in my Anthony Edwards video and in my Jaden McDaniels video, is um, one thing that I look for from players in the mid-range is do they hesitate once they generate that space or get into that space in the mid-range? You know, are they getting into that shot immediately or are they kind of experiencing a little bit of surprise at how open they are and it kind of forces them into whiffing on the shot? And Anthony Edwards, to me, one of the big things holding him back is is – that comfort when he gets into that space. Um, He was doing a lot of hesitating once he gets into an opportunity where he can put up an open mid range shot. Uh, The contested ones are really where I'm like, Oh, he's like, he's hitting these contested ones pretty well. And it's because I don't think he's thinking about it as much, but uh, like we've established, he's good at creating the space. I just think one of the issues he runs into is being, uh, being surprised at the space that he's creating Uh, And it ultimately results in him whiffing on the shot. And with him, like we talk about his playmaking and his scoring gravity, really him adding a a mid-range aspect to his game is going to completely unlock all of that, Um, especially against the meta of like NBA drop coverage now. Uh, Everyone's, you know, dropping in the pick and roll. It's just... 
it's what you do. Everyone seems to be pretty much on the same page uh, on defense nowadays. It's like, okay, yeah, we're going to use drop coverage in the pick and roll. It's just what you do. And the guys who are going to succeed against drop coverage are the guys who can kill you in the mid range. And what happens when you start killing teams in the, in, in the mid range, when they're using drop coverage against you, they force their big to come up on the pick and roll and um, come out of drop and play up more towards the high post on you. And that opens up space on the interior. And uh, that ties into his playmaking, you know, him finding cutters to the basket, him finding guys to, to get it to on the, on the low block. Um, and so I think with his mid range, that's kind of going to be the key to unlocking everything for him, because then he'll be a true three level score. You know, a guy who can create his own shot on the perimeter, a guy who can get to the basket and finish. And then a guy who can knock down open mid range shots. Once he gets to that point, I mean, it's all over from there. Yeah. If Ant can hit that mid range uh, shot, like not only are bigs going to have to like step up in their drop coverage, like, and then allow Ant, you know, he can blow by all that, but they might even just say, we got to take the center off the floor. And then now when they do that, the, I think kind of the impact for the rest of the team is you you're playing pretty much two guys who are centered like should be centers in the nba you're going to get so right. many more offensive rebounds that's going to open so much more on on that and especially if you're playing that big off the floor um so yeah this little small i guess impact from and um yeah also i also like when i was watching your video i i started looking a bit into his mid-range game more and i i went to the synergy i, I looked at how many attempts he only had 58 mid-range shots um like attempted in 2021 2022 which is just like just a really small amount um and then for the numbers he's converted 22 of those 58 for like a 37 um 37 38 field goal percentage which is like 47th percentile so not good um but what i noticed was just like all his attempts were just step back jumpers like all the time, only 16 of those 58 were regular, just regular straight up pull-up jumpers. Um, and I think it's kind of, there's an issue, not an issue with this form, but it's it's just like naturally how he is. He just tends to fade. So like when he's going for that pull-up, he has to somehow shift his momentum to go backwards. And the easiest way for him to do that is just take the poundable step back. But then that allows a defense, like like you said, they he hesitates and it allows the defense to come close out. And it's just a lower percentage shot. Like that's that's just how it is. Mm -hmm. So maybe if he can add kind of just that regular pull-up game more, like off the pick and roll, like just, he just goes straight up um, instead of fading as much on his mid-range shot, then I think that's kind of, that, like once again, another small like marginal thing that if he changes that, like he's going to get a lot more cleaner looks from the mid-range because the defense just has to play for his drive so much because he's just so explosive that they're just going to give him that mid-range shot until he can prove he can make it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think floater game would help as well um like you guys said you know ants the the area where he does the most damage is the rim uh so teams, teams will try to take that away with drop coverage often playing deep drop and you know what i noticed is just watching through uh you know doing some ant revision this summer is he just sometimes try to uh, tries to force finishes uh, barreling into guys uh, obviously that works a lot of the time because he's big and has like unreal body control athleticism and um, you can go down the list, but um, those are also like tougher shots. And if he's able to uh, just add a little uh, push shot, a little floater, 
Um, he didn't shoot well on runners or uh, on runners last year, just looking through the numbers. Uh, you know, that could really, that's, that's sort of fine, refining the finer details of this game, but just on the topic of, uh, you know, an in-between game, just something that diverts from, uh, you know, rim and three, although, you know, very analytically, uh, you know, I, I, I joke about this with some people. It, it's, it's a really analytically favorite shot chart, uh, but you need that in-between game if you really want to take that next step as, as a score. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Alex, did you see anything in regards to him, his ability to like hit those floaters or runners at all? You know, it was one of those things where it's something that was very infrequent. Um, there were times where it looked like he was comfortable doing that. And there were times where it's like, oh, okay, he clearly like rushed it or was not prepared. And it was kind of like a last ditch effort type deal. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. You know, a floater is something that we see from a lot of, of smaller guards. Uh, like Trey Young is obviously a guy who who relies on the floater a lot, and it's it's a very deadly part of his game. Um, Anthony Edwards, I think, if he can make it a part of his game, I don't think it's something that he needs to like really try and leverage or really try to integrate into his game. But it's just another one of those kind of swing skills where it's like, oh, he can hit floaters too. Like if he gets to the point where he's hitting floaters consistently, it's like. That's just another thing that, you know, defenses have to think about. The floater is one of the most unguardable things in basketball just due to the very nature of what a floater is. I mean, it's just so high arching. It's nearly impossible for the defense get to get to. Typically, when a guy's putting up a floater, it's something that is unpredictable. Um, when guys put up floaters, they're not typically defenses think that they're trying to get to the rim and then they put up a floater and it's like, Oh, we don't know what to do. Cause we had no idea that's the shot that he was going for. So um, it's just another one of those swing skills where it's like, yeah, if he adds that to his game, it's, it's just another way he can kill you. Yeah, do you guys have anything to add in regards to maybe McDaniels and Edwards kind of like together at the two or the three, like what you think of that that combination? Yeah, I just think uh, I think they're two guys who can really play off of each other's strengths really well because obviously Jaden McDaniels is a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hand. And we talk about Anthony Edwards kind of leveraging playmaking more um, and making that more of a heavy part of his offense. And I think they can create a really interesting tandem just because they're, they're both very unique players. Um, Anthony Edwards is this jumbo size guard with absurd athleticism. And Jaden McDaniels is this weird three, four, five hybrid who possesses really good athleticism for his size. And I think, you know, what cat brings to the table is already really impressive. We know what he can do. We still don't really know what Anthony Edwards can do just yet. We don't know where he's going to top out at. And Jaden McDaniels, obviously, like we've discussed, we still don't know what he's capable of fully yet. We don't know where he's going to top out at. So this is going to be the year where I feel like these two really start to explore their full capabilities and develop an interesting two-man game where you've got these two really big wings that can start to do damage in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I'm just trying to think of those those two on the defensive end. Um, you know, just you, they can switch anything, a one through four, maybe, uh, you know, cause havoc there and then run out in transition, do their damage in half court, 
super skilled, super rangy. Uh, you know, they, there's just so much potential with those guys. And like Alex said, we really don't know what, what we can expect from their games. There's so much skill, so much untapped potential. Um, and what, what really excites me too is, uh, you know, and Jaden have just going through, going through this past season, they really developed a connection as teammates. Uh, I remember like this thing and said in a presser that, you know, Jaden's like super nice. And once McDaniel's confidence gets like his, he's going to be like unstoppable or something like that. Um, you know, and again, that speaks to Ant's personality and stuff, but, uh, you know, that's, a, that, I, I'm glad that Minnesota chose to cut, you know, roll with Jaden and they really viewed him as a part of their core. Uh, cause you know, I really think that, you know, with Kat and, and maybe even D'Lo, you know, that group of guys is, uh, is the future of the Wolves and, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be on top of the West for years to come. Yeah. Really great that the Timberwolves didn't include him in the Gobert trade. Because I think he's just a really valuable piece that's just going to make them even more dangerous. And it's also crazy to think about. They got both these guys in the same draft. Oh, yeah. Number one pick, number yeah. 27 pick. So, you know, shout out. Gerson Rosas, was the, he was the GM, right? At that, that time. Was still right. That was his yeah. first time. Now he's, you know, not, not there for uh, some interesting reasons. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, they move on. I remember when I read that, like, why he got, like, uh, I guess, fired, resigned, whatever. So I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> That's, yeah, not, that's yeah. not great. Um, but yeah, uh, Alex, have anything anything to add with these two? Or we're gonna wrap up here. No, I've, I think we pretty much covered it top to bottom. I know um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing else to talk about with these two. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But thank you, Alex, so much for coming on. We we really appreciate it. It was great talking to you, especially about you know um, me and Yash's probably favorite team coming into next year and then it's cool to see that you also have like a little personal tie to them with your um with your dad and stuff so that's that's really cool to see um but yeah thank you everyone for taking a listen to this podcast go check out alex's um youtube channel just alex it's just alex hoops right yep that's it alex hoops and then on twitter alex hoops yt i think right I think it's just Alex Hoops, Alex Hoops? now, but okay. I think if you search Alex Hoops YT, for some reason it still shows up. So you can do that too. Yeah, definitely subscribe and follow to Alex. He's pretty active on on Twitter, and then you know, for and those uh, future YouTube videos too. So stay up to date with that. Any also any uh, I guess little tidbit of what you're working on uh, video wise, maybe in the next week or two. Yeah. So uh, this week. I uh, got a Cade Cunningham video dropping tomorrow. I uh, got a Chris Middleton video coming out towards the end of the week. And then this weekend, I'm going to be doing a video on um, a video about why NBA GMs need to stop worrying so much about age when they're drafting, because I think GMs get caught up a lot in like, oh, he's 22 years old. Like, we don't want an older rookie, but it's like, if you're a team that's in win now mode, it's like, why, why are you going to be drafting a guy who is 18 with like raw skills and has a ton of athleticism? It's like, okay, yeah, you're going to have to develop that guy. And if your goal is to win now, then probably shouldn't be drafting the guy that you're going to have to put minutes towards developing. You should go after, you know, the 22 year old who can contribute now. So I'm um, going to have that coming out this weekend. So yeah. If uh, any of that sounds good to anyone listening, then be sure to subscribe and you'll get those videos. And that last one especially has me hooked. Uh, I think that's a really good topic for the video. And uh, the, the Grizzlies are literally the poster boys for that. Yep. Mm-hmm. They're going to be a big, big part of that video. I'm super excited about it. Nope.
Yeah, that sounds good. Thank you for everyone taking a listen in. Uh, once again, uh, Alex, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate it. Uh, hey, we'll thank you guys. You guys.